this year, like this year of all years, Advent, I think for everyone I've talked to, everyone and my friends across the theological spectrum, every single one of them has been like, we didn't need Advent. We didn't know how badly we needed Advent. Welcome to the Faith Without Fear podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. This podcast is hosted by Senior Pastor Sean Zambros and Associate Pastor Nick Quint. In this episode, they're joined by Reverend Cheryl Rain and Reverend Paul Price to reflect upon 2020 and the season of Advent. What I'd like to do is, uh, Cheryl and Paul, since uh, you are our guests, uh, if you wouldn't mind just kind of introducing yourselves, uh, telling uh, telling us who you are and where you minister and maybe how long you've been in ministry for. I'm Cheryl Rain, and I'm the pastor at the First Presbyterian Church here in Redlands, and I've been here since January of 2017, and I have been in full-time ministry uh, since June of 2002, serving 14 and a half years in the city of Garden Grove. And I'm Paul Price. I'm the uh, priest at uh, Trinity Redlands, uh, Trinity Episcopal Church in Redlands, not to be confused with the fake Trinity up on the hill, because we were first. (laughs) Um, I've been there since uh, 2013. Thank you. I've got a prompter over here, my wife, another Cheryl. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see, January of 2013. And... um, I've been ordained or, uh, well, I've been ordained since June of, uh, 20, 2004. Gosh, but you know, doing ministry since before then. So welcome. We're, we're so blessed to have both of you just here to spend some time with us and take time out of a busy, well, it's a Friday. So it's almost end of day. Uh, Kind of something I was I was curious about. Just you know, Pastor Sean and I have talked about this pretty almost weekly. Just kind of all the Advent stuff, all of life, and kind of what the church is, and just it's it it seems like the conversations never seem to end. But what is something that uh, maybe this will be a good way of saying it? It thinking back to March, you know, mid March is at least when California shut down. and if you can think between March, you know, have a mindset of March and then a mindset of May, what were you thinking in that two month or so span of things? Because I mean, for me, my son was born literally the day of the lockdown, you know, March 14th. So he's an actual pie baby, uh, 314 and so on and so forth. And so I, I didn't get, I, and I was, I had a, a, a month off, you know, thanks to, to the church, you know, so I could spend some time with them and, you know, and all that. So I didn't get to see kind of the ins and outs of how everything evolved and de-evolved and escalated and then got wonkier and wonkier. So did, uh, so Paul, did you have kind of a sense, you know, thinking about those two points in time and just as kind of a sense of, did you, what were your kind of thoughts and process during that time? Well, initially I was hoping that, you know, the lockdown would be only a few weeks because I was worried about getting into Holy Week. For us, uh, as a liturgical church, Holy Week is a big deal, and um, being able to celebrate uh, from Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, through Easter Sunday was, it's it's huge. There's a lot of things that we do during that whole week, and so I was kind of worried about not being able to do that, and then as things started to go on a little bit further, 
knowing that we weren't going to be able to do that kind of, um, I think my wife would agree with me, freaking out about not being able to do those kinds of things, like light the Paschal candle on on the vigil, um, like not going through Good Friday, although we did have a good Good Friday uh, celebration because we did that with with our group, you know. Um, Monday, Thursday, being able to strip the altar, those kinds of things that, that we do as a regular practice as a part of the rituals, not preparing for holy or not being able to do holy week not being able to prepare for all of that and then thinking of being in that perpetual good friday place hmm. but was it really good friday or more monday thursday or was it holy saturday you know because there's you're wondering is is christ's body still in the tomb have we been able to come out and celebrate that or were we still making preparations for christ to go on the cross being in that in that space so making it into may and not being able to celebrate pentecost there's another one of those those celebrations we actually had a chance to get into the church at that point uh, for pentecost and to do the live stream out of out of the church but it was the constant thinking where are we? Have we really celebrated the calendar yet? Have we really been able to be those Episcopalians that we've we've been in the past to make it through? And, and now not being able to get into Christmas, but that's another question, you know? So there was some rebirth. There was some new life at, at one point. But where are we now? <laughs> That's kind of that, you know, that's kind of where we are. Now, on the other hand, ministry aspects, uh, being able to do the feedings of things like that, that we've been able to do, reopening the uh, preschool and being able to support our parents who needed to have that sort of a thing uh, so they could go back to work and to be able to uh, support their families. Uh, Those kinds of things we were able to reopening and get past. But it, it's it, it it just didn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. There's still that longing and uh, to be able to to do those things. So I'm thinking, you know, this coming year, we're hoping that we'll be able to do these kinds of things face to face, get back into Lent again, and and to be able to do Lent properly, to do Holy Week properly, um, to replay March, April, and May of la- of this year, next year. Well, you know, when I think back to March, you know, the lockdown was the 14th, but we, we actually still worshiped on the 15th uh, in person, had about 50% of the people. And then we went to online the following week. But when I think about, yes, we were in the middle of Lent or beginning of Lent. And I had this like totally awesome preaching ser- series <laughs> organized <laughs> And we were going to be building uh, or putting together week by week by week through our prayers, uh, uh, a beautiful uh, stream, because the theme was let justice roll down like waters. And so I knew that um, we would have to pivot pretty quickly. And that's one of those words that has become a huge one here in um, 
in this COVID season, which I did because I felt like people needed to know that God was God and that God was still in our midst. And so I shifted uh, from the theme uh, pretty quickly. We're not quite as liturgical as our Episcopal brothers and sisters, but I know that there was a deep desire to be back in the sanctuary by Easter or Palm Sunday. And of course that didn't take place. And then Pentecost, it still didn't. But on a pastoral sense, what was really, what I was most focused on was how do I make sure everybody was connected? And so we have, we didn't really have any structure in terms of small groups or anything like that. And so I uh, enlisted, uh, they weren't really given the option, but my elders and deacons, which, which I guess if you do the two, there's 12, there's 21 of them. I said, the 21 of you uh, are going to care for this congregation because I can't do it alone. And so within the first two weeks, I had um, basically divided up the whole congregation and people who were retired had, had more people in the group than people who were working. And I was you know, careful, but I, I did. And, and our congregation is sort of unique in that 50% of the people are either Indonesian, Pakistani or African immigrants. And so there was, there was other needs. And I, had, I have about 35 people in healthcare on the front lines. So that was a whole other issue on how do we care for them? So for me, there was a whole lot of pastoral care was probably my, my real focus in those first couple of months. And, and what, I, what I learned from that was actually how rich, how rich it's been because relationships have been formed that would have never been formed in the church. They wouldn't have crossed over potentially maybe the ethnic difference. They wouldn't have crossed over the age difference. They wouldn't have crossed over a lot of the differences that, that are, that are in the congregation. And I, I still hear today, you know, people saying, yeah, you know, I've called her weekly this whole time and we've really gotten to know each other really well. And so, so it's some, been some really cool things from the pastoral care, but um, the liturgy, I mean, worship is important and we were able, praise God, thanks to my, my husband who is a techie, who's supported by my son who's a techie, we were able to be online and not miss a beat um, the next Sunday. So, so um, providing for worship. So I guess that's, that's what I'd say about those first couple of months. Yeah, I, I think for us, our story is similar we were fortunate in that we had enough people that knew how to do zoom. I was thinking about it a year ago today. I didn't even know what zoom was. And, uh, and so we were fortunate to have enough people that knew how to do that, that within like the very first Sunday we went online, one of our Sunday school classes met on zoom and the next week, another Sunday school class met on Zoom and our youth group began meeting on Zoom. And it was only a couple of weeks later that our children's ministry began to work on Zoom, uh, meet on Zoom. And then we had other Bible studies. We had our meetings and all of that stuff. But we were really fortunate that we had people who, would do, who could do that. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had one class that really has never gotten back together they still have a weekly email but they're they tended to our classes aren't necessarily age uh age specific but um this one class tended to be tended to be that older class 
And several of them finally realized that, well, you know, uh, I guess this isn't going to end anytime soon. So I better figure out how to work this Zoom thing. Yeah. And, and so now we have some of these older folks that have joined Bible studies and other Sunday school classes because they were missing out on being with people and stuff like that. And the richness actually of that, some of, uh, there's one Sunday school class that happens to be all women. And uh, a couple of the older women have joined that class. And the richness of having those women in that group, in that class, um, has been uh, just amazing. I think everybody really appreciates uh, what they've added to that class. And, um, and then for me, uh, I can actually go to some of these classes now that they're on Zoom. And um, uh, I have to, two of them are at the same time on Sunday morning, but since I'm really not that busy on Sunday morning anymore, uh, because we pre-record our worship, yeah. uh, I can go to Sunday school. So I've been going to Sunday school every week and I just alternate between two classes. And that gives me the opportunity to connect with those people, but also to be in a Bible study that I'm not leading. And um, so that's, that's been kind of one of the, one of the many little sort of side benefits from, from being a part of that. But for me, the group of us, uh, uh, our clergy group that we're all a part of, um, that group was important to me before, but it's become even more important to me now. You all were the people that I would go, okay, what are you all doing? Because yeah, and so like we were sort of this solidarity. I could go back to my people and say, uh, well, you know, the Episcopal Church and the Presbyterian Church and the Lutheran Church and stuff like that, they're doing this and they're not doing this. And then, you know, Paul, you have, uh, you know, you have this hierarchy that tells your church what they can and can't do. And we don't have that hierarchy. So I was really dependent on your hierarchy, you know, to be able to say, well, the Episcopal Bishop says, <laughs> you know, and the Lutheran superintendent says, you know, or whatever. Um, it was kind of nice to have some of you who have a little more hierarchy to be able to, you know, go back and say, well, you know, we don't have hierarchy, but, but our friends who do, you know, so that, but, but just, I was noticing uh, one of the last times that we all got together and um, I, I sit down with you on Zoom and just relax, you know, and it's yeah. just sort of like this, huh, you know, and so that has been, those friendships and those, uh, you know, collegial relationships have become even more important to me. Yeah. One of the first things I, I realized, uh, I think Sean and I had this conversation, I want to say probably in june or may that's time the first thing i i realized when i did some reflection was time has no meaning or frame of reference in, in a pandemic um, especially when you're a new dad and the baby's keeping you up you know 25 hours of the day the one thing i i noticed very early on was what kind of what you noticed cheryl was the idea of and sean and i had this conversation where i don't there are certain people i think will just get left out of this you know and uh, so it's been something that we've really tried to foster and cultivate. You know, uh, one of my favorite memories of, of this is uh, there's two uh, older women that uh, I do a uh, Saturday morning prayer thing, just 10 o'clock, 15 minutes, and I host them on Zoom. And they call in on their, probably their landlines or their cell phones. And we just hang out for 15 minutes. And I didn't get a, 
I, so I woke up one morning, started it and I'm just sitting there with Nolan, my son, just laying there like this head in hand, just waiting for them to click on and 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes pass. And I kind of come back to him like, Oh, it's 10 50. And I call one of them just to make sure. And they're like, Oh yeah, we talked to each other on the phone. We completely forgot about you. I was like, I'm actually <laughs> completely fine with that. But I, I think there's something profound about that. And kind of what both of you were saying, there's this idea of the people that would normally be kind of, kind of separated off or, or forget about each other are, are beginning to kind of find new roots with each other. And I mean, there's some people that I I've that have been on Zoom that they realize very quickly on that they uh, they didn't know the person at all, you know, uh, and it's been a it's been a really profound experience for them. I mean, for me too, because I get to watch them kind of come out of their shell and learn and grow and stuff like that. But um, yeah. it's it's a beautiful thing, at least in that sense, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so, kind of fast forwarding, you know, we go from March to May now, May till let's say. This this whole experience, I mean, Advent, no, a church and the, the church in the world has not needed Advent any more than it has needed it this year. Like this year of all years, Advent, I think for everyone I've talked to, everyone, my friends across the theological spectrum, every single one of them has been like, we didn't need ad, we didn't know how badly we needed Advent. You know, we didn't realize how badly we needed Old Testament readings from the Psalms and and this, the prophets and, and they're, and I don't, uh, so I'm really curious for, for y'all as thinking now, beginning of Advent till now, kind of that framework, what, what are some things that you're noticing just personally, spiritually, or communally in your, in your, uh, in your churches and stuff like that? What are some things uh, that, that are kind of coming that you're reflecting on that are just keep coming back to mind that are, that are, that are ministering to you or, or challenging you or what have you? Because for me, it's thinking of Advent. It's like, man, I re- it's it feels silly to say, and I feel dumb saying it, but it's like, I really miss giving people hugs on Sunday morning. That kind of spatial closeness, that relationality, all of that. It's like I can't just walk up to someone I, I love that I preach with and hang out with and give them a hug. It's just one of those things, and it's just it's that kind of empty feeling that. But it's not a place of from a place of 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 fear, but a place of the the things of old are good still, you know. It's like the, the things of old that we long for are still good. It's just, you can't have them right now or, or how, so that's kind of where I've been coming from. Just been meditating on that. I don't know what it's been like for y'all. So uh, I'll throw it to Cheryl. Cause you had the cute baby that just uh, <laughs> disrupted all of us. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on kind of how all of on this Advent season, just kind of at a, maybe a 30,000 foot, you know, kind of level. Um, I, the theme I picked is, is called um, I Believe Even When, and it's supported by um, the Worship Design Studio. And so I, I, you know, modified some of what was offered, but for me, it has been an incredibly powerful because the texts come from Isaiah, as well as uh, uh, we've looked at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the just, just, what is the beginning of this story that we are longing for that, that we have in the gospels and each of the gospels begin so differently. And what's, what's been, what's wonderful about having this resource is the, is, is all of the backup that's behind it. And uh, there were, there were movies or documentaries re- recommended, which really, um, really gave you some insight on people who have struggled 
in, in ways much deeper than even we have struggled in this pandemic that, that clung to hope, that refused to let love die, um, that refused to give up the possibility of joy. And then this week is, is refused to not be at peace, even in the midst of the most tumultuous circumstances. And, and I, and I, um, one of my, my members said the other day, there's a theme song, which is it's, it's even, even when I believe, I believe even what is I, even when, even when the sun is not shining is the way it starts. You know, I believe even when the sun is not shining, I believe. And he was having a really rough, rough time. And that it, we're, we're repeating this refrain throughout all of Advent. And he goes, even when, even when, yeah, I believe I can make it through this. And so I think it's been really powerful. I know it's been really powerful for me. And I've heard from various people that it's been really, really powerful. I think the folks that have struggled are the ones that, um, with the theme this Advent, which is kind of interesting because Advent is a season of preparation. It's a season of darkness waiting for light. But everybody just, there's some people who wanted light, like now. I want light now. And so that's been, that's been hard for some. Yeah. And um, I get it. But like last night, we did a, we did a blue Christmas and you know, a few people gathered, not a whole lot. But it was powerful for the people who attended because it, it allowed us to lament. And I think our society in general and maybe our churches have lost the art of lament mm -hmm. and everything that we've lost. We've lost so much this year and, and hugs being one of them, something as simple as the hugs. I mean, ugh. just even the little conversations that you have post, you know, worship. So there's, there's just been so much, but you know, we worship the light that is not overcome by the darkness. Mm -hmm. And uh, Eugene Peterson's, I love the translation. He, uh, you know, how he always goes out there on the edge, but he says the life light blazes. And that's, and that's when we worship. So, um, you know, it's dark, but the light is not extinguished. So. So for me, the view at 30,000 feet in Advent is mountains. Um, it's a change during the time before from Pentecost to the beginning of Advent is um, liturgically kind of a, uh, a flat season, you know, doesn't seem like there's a lot going on. And uh, I know that for me, it was sort of a, uh, let's see how quickly can we get through this so that we can get to the other side. And with Advent, there's all the changes. We change the liturgical colors. We change the, the Eucharistic prayer. The, the themes are all different. Um, the music changes. And there is a beginning of, of hope. Uh, you know, the, the first inklings of, of a real vaccine or a way out of all of this started uh, around the beginning of Advent. And, and uh, even though after the Thanksgiving and the uh, just the increase of the number of people 
who have been infected and and watching my the medical people in my church going through what they're going through yeah. um, but still there there's hope and, and and for me that's the that's the thing that that we're we're focusing on is, is that there there is hope you know um, again liturgically there's a lot of stuff going on in advent for us uh, prayers wise and and the and themes wise but the the big deal is is the hope and people are starting to, to see that hope um, you know uh, one of my one of my members is uh, actually I think she did get the vaccine this week already she works up at uh, St. Mary's in Apple Valley at, and is a, a chaplain up there and has been going through quite a bit and so the hope is you know that that she's not going to be uh, to get infected and then she's not going to infect her family and her loved ones uh another one of my parishioners has a son that works at Loma Linda University Hospital and and same thing he's he's getting the vaccine because he's one of those frontline people and and we were talking about that um one thing that we did throughout this time is we started up uh uh daily office worship and that means um for us that's there's a it's a monastic setting morning prayer, evening prayer every day, six days a week. And we meet together on Zoom and we talk about these things and and just to see and hear about the different things that are going on. Advent, things started looking hopeful again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, part of that's pandemic. Uh, part of it is the political situation too. There was a huge relief after the uh after the the uh, election, and then actually after a lot of those the the uh, states finally validated where where they were going, but there's still there's still you know a little bit of breath holding, um, but there's also a lot of hope. So I, I guess that's the that's the real thing for for us. The change of the change of seasons brought that hope. Um, but other things within the world brought that hope too. Yeah, I'm not quite sure when Advent has had so much meaning. Mm-hmm. And, and it's exactly like what you're talking about, you know, the even just the vaccine. And yeah, we're, we're not going to, it's not going to really make that kind of impact for months. But we now know that there's a very, very, very good chance that, that things are going to turn around in 2021. 2020 was filled with, well, maybe in a week, maybe in a month, maybe in three months. And, and, uh, and now we approach 2021 with no, I think really, we are looking It maybe a while, you know, we can wait now for months if we know that it's going to change and that sense of hope, um, like what you're saying. Uh, but, but I don't know, for me, Advent really has never had this much meaning. Yeah, the something I, I had a friend who uh, he's he's a minister, and one of the things he said to me was, "I can't wait to basically burn this year, 2020, and just move on to 2021." And I, I, I 100% understand and agree. Like I, I I agree with the sentiment, but there's a little part of me that uh, what you were talking about earlier, Cheryl and Sean, was the idea of don't rush out of the darkness too fast. 
Like it's, it almost feels dumb to say, don't rush out into the light too fast. Cause then you won't see anything. It'll just be it, not, you won't be able to form anything. So it's like, and I think the art of lament is that the church is a place where it's like pain here is the thing that can be for transformation. It's not something that is mindless or, or anything like that, but you can't just, the, the church is not a, a pill. The church is a lifestyle change or it's, or it's all those sorts of things. And I, I love the image a friend gave of the vaccine is, is a, is a beacon of hope that you, that you wait for. Uh, and he, he uh, so it's just interesting to me to watch people just, and I get it wanting to run, burn through Advent so they can unwrap the presents. And I'm like, well, the whole point of Christmas, you know, is that you wait a long time and you enjoy the time and there's anticipation and hope. And I'm wondering if it feels kind of silly to say, but I wonder if we just lost the art of waiting and just actually holding off the things that we love so that we can love them in the way that we're supposed to, you know, at least, I don't know what y'all think about that. There's something that came to mind with kind of everything, what y'all were saying. I was very, I'm intrigued by what are y'all thoughts? I think part of it too is um, what are the lessons of the wilderness? Mm -hmm. And there are things that you can only learn in the wilderness. And here we are. And, and I do it every once in a while point out to people and myself too, that, you know, we're not even close to being here for 40 years. So we've only been here 10 months. So, or whatever. So, um, you know, be a little bit more patient, but, but there are lessons we can learn only in the wilderness. So what are the lessons we're learning in the wilderness? It's really hard for people to wait. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, our society, I mean, if you think of TV, you know, it solves everything in 30 minutes or an hour, you know, everything really tremendous stuff is just like, woo, 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 it's done. You know, the quick, the quick dinner, the microwave, this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and the instant gratification too. They want the, and, and there's, there seems to be in, in some senses, kind of that pursuit of happiness at the expense though, I think of joy, of, of something deeper, yeah. uh, you know, um, that, that we, we're not connected to this deep peace. And, you know, you think of you think of a, a river that is just, just beautiful on the top, but you know that underneath it's just, you know, roiling uh, as it goes over all the different rocks and everything. But there's a, that sense, unless you're willing to just be part of that mystery, which is waiting. Um, life is lived on the just very shallow, very surface. And, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can see that. And, and there's just, and life is just so much richer, richer in terms of um, if you're willing to wait and you're willing to put off for that joy. I, I know when I, when I think about what this, this, and I know you haven't specifically asked this question or it was, I think in light of this trying times, where has God taken you? I would say that God has taken me to that deep place because, you know, as pastors, we've, we've in so many ways lost sort of the feedback. The feedback loop has been sort of constricted pretty traumatically and without the, having the person-to-person -person interactions and, and, you know, that whole concept, you know, as Paul says, you know, you know, God's provision is enough for me. And so that's kind of the deep place that I've been taken because it seems to me in this season, the voices of appreciation, people just assume we know, right. But the voices of critique are the ones that have been loudest. And, um, 
And, and so to, to be aware that, you know, I am enough, I'm enough. I'm being faithful. God is good. God is with me. I am not alone. So, you know, God has, that's where God, that's where God has taken me this, this season. So there's, there's kind of a renewal of the deepness and the, of the mystery of our faith, which is a source that, 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 that they, nobody, nobody on the outside can remove. It's a source that's, that's deep and strong. And so that's really, yeah. been really helpful, like a helpful reminder of what I know to be true from yeah. my from my life, from my faith journey. Similar to Cheryl, realizing uh, val- the value of worth, my self-worth and stuff like that, but also uh, how small you can feel in light of everything that's been going on and realizing that uh, the God of the universe uh, decided that it was too easy to stay in heaven came down here and was born and was very small. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things where kind of the things I learned in my childhood in Sunday school, my very conservative Sunday school teachers, even they were like, you know, God loves you and God small, like came, became small, like you and just all the little things that you learn, you know, that you kind of look back on. And I'm like, there's so much, like you said, depth and, stuff like that there. It's at the end of the day, it's what I've learned. And what God has told me is, uh, what's the phrase? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And it's like, you know, like I, I can live with that. And there's, Mm -hmm. I can move and find rest in that, except when my son is crying and I have to go take care of him. But I just, the, the one passage that always comes to my mind that I use often with people who are really, you know, disconnected, Um, from God, but is Isaiah 43, you know, I have formed you, I have created you, I've called you by name, you are mine. And then, you know, when you go through the waters, they're not going to overwhelm you, the fire is not going to consume you. And then God says, you are honored and precious, and I love you. And I realized that was said to the people, to the people in context, it's the people Israel. But I often have people rewrite that and insert their names in it. Yeah. as a way of just acknowledging that God loves you. You are honored and precious in God's sight in a way that um, helps him remember that because, you know, that's, I, I don't know, years ago, I, a, a man, Esperanza, he always talked about Esperanza, which is love in, um, in Spanish. And he just goes, that's all, that's all we need. That's all we need is love. And I, you know, and the older I've gotten, <laughs> the more I realize if we would all just feel loved, by the mystery we call God, boy, would this world be a different place. I think uh, just learning that the, the connection that, that we all need is not just a superficial thing. It's, it's an actual, real, deep, necessary thing. And when we long for it over such a, a long period of time, like we have been, we have a deeper appreciation of those opportunities um, just getting together with our with the congregation for a little bit on the front lawn or the lawn of the church and uh, being there and seeing one another, um, being able to do the Zoom uh, meetings and, and uh, uh, evening and, and morning prayers is another way. Um, 
getting feedback from people saying, um, I needed to hear that today, or I needed to be a part of that, mm-hmm. of that today, or we, we have this the prayer list. It's this just continuous prayer list of people that need to be prayed for, whether they're members of the congregation or just first one or two removed, you know, from members of the congregation, uh, knowing that people and people knowing that there's a place to put those names and to be connected back again. I think really it's just, just knowing that the interconnectedness of all of us, uh, it doesn't, it's not just in that sanctuary at that time. It spans time and it spans place. And we can, and we have been spanning time and place because we've been able to connect differently, but we miss the touch mm-hmm. very much. We yeah. miss the touch. And this seeing over electronic is so different than me seeing you, Nick, on the street or in the pew next to me. Yeah, it becomes especially real when you see kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've seen them. I have seen them in the little boxes on the screen. But, but then all of a sudden to see them outside and, and they're taller and, you know, and all these different things. And you're just going... Oh my goodness, you know, time has gone by. Thank you for listening to the Faith Without Fear podcast, a ministry of the First Baptist Church of Redlands, California. Our music was composed and written by Garrett Zambros. If you are looking for a church home, we encourage you to browse our website at www.fbcredlands.org, where you'll find our sermon series and links to our YouTube channel.